Haven't these been wonderful songs tonight? I mean, just in time, relevant in every way in the situation we're in right now. And I hope my message tonight is relevant as well. I need a lot of prayer. You know, I still get butterflies after 45 years of preaching. Uh, I'm uh, just a weak vessel, and I hope the Lord will fill me tonight afresh with his spirit and pour out to you what the Lord has poured into me. Let's pray. Father, help me, Lord, to preach your word as you would speak it. I pray for anointed words, but I also pray for anointed ears, that each one in this room will be attentive, will be malleable in your hand, Lord, to receive this word and to be impacted for good. In Yeshua's name, amen. Well, I had an, a really amazing privilege this week. I was uh, on a Zoom call with the president of maybe the premier Orthodox Jewish university in the world, 6,000 students. The president is an Orthodox rabbi, and we have a mutual friend, and the mutual friend wanted us to meet. So we had this call, and he has been on the front end of getting the word out to universities all over the world to take a stand on behalf of truth, on behalf of Israel and the Jewish people to fight anti-Semitism that's happening on campuses on these various universities around the world. He's wanting to enlist my help, and I plan to help. Now, he said something interesting. He said, you know, Wayne, the ones who are coming along the most to help me in this cause are Christians. And then he said this. He said, they're like Aaron and her lifting up our hands. <laughs> Would you lift up your hands for a moment? You can put them down. We're going to look at his... At, Exodus chapter 17. Would you turn in your Bibles, please? Exodus chapter 17, beginning of verse 8. We are in a sermon series, as most of you know, called Behind the Scene. S-E-E-N. Not S-C-E-N-E. -E. Behind what is seen. And we're going to see here in Exodus 17, the story of Moses, Aaron, and Hur on the mountain, and Joshua and his army fighting down in the valley, we're going to see that much of this battle is in the unseen realm. And these intercessors praying with hands raised to God in the invisible heavens, to the invisible heavens. And later I'm going to show you the seen world, what Joshua and his forces were doing with fighting Amalek. We're going to look at how important both of those things are, the seen and the unseen. I've entitled my message, Two Keys to Victory, Hands Raised to the Heavens and a Banner to the Nations. Now we read verse 8 and following of Exodus chapter 17. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses told Joshua, choose some men and go out and fight Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. 
And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they put a stone under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. His hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. So, so far we've seen what's going on in the unseen world. And now we see what actions are seen on the ground. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses took an action. He built an altar and called its name, the Lord is my banner. For he said, because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Do you think this might be relevant? Something was happening in the seen realm while Moses, Aaron, and Hur were engaged in spiritual warfare in the unseen realm. Moses standing up in the top of the hill with his staff, the staff of God in his hand, appealing for heaven's aid. And there was a two-pronged defense, prayer along with action. Joshua's troop took action against Amalek's earthly forces, but it was the work of Joshua and Moses together in both of these realms that tipped the scales toward Israel's triumph. My goal this evening is to inspire us to pray more fervently and faithfully for Israel and God's purposes for Israel and boldly take action and fight for truth against the lies and growing hate toward God's chosen people, God's chosen people. First, the unseen realm, prayer. We need to fight the good fight through prayer. Why? Because the underlying motivation of the enemy is unseen and it is spiritual. The Bible affirms our battle is not against people, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Let's talk about the spiritual origins of Amalek, the enemy that Joshua and his army was fighting. The Amalekites trace back to Esau. Amalekites were described as the descendants of Amalek, who was the grandson of Esau. And we know that the struggle, there was a struggle between Jacob and Esau. A fight reflected deeper, deeper spiritual conflict over birthright, blessing, and God's chosen lineage. Throughout the scriptures, we see how Esau's descendants became arch enemies of Israel. Ezekiel chapter 35 verse 5 says of the Edomites, they had an ancient hatred, evat olam, some translations would say an eternal hatred. Ezekiel 35 says they had an ancient hatred and have shed the blood of the children of Israel by the power of the sword at the time of their calamity. We see in Genesis chapter 36 and verse 16 that there was someone called the chief, chief Amalek in the land of Edom. So Edom with this eternal hatred against the Jews. Amalek is in, Amalek is in the same family. They have a spiritual motivation to destroy 
Jacob and his descendants because he stole the blessing and the birthright. In his mind, they stole it. He stole it. Now we see how they attacked the people of Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 17 to 18, it says, Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt, how he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks, all the stragglers at your rear, when you were tired and weary, and he did not fear God. Does this remind you what happened on October the 7th? When, the, when Hamas broke through that fence, they did not go and target soldiers, but they went and targeted those who were asleep in their homes at a concert. People who did not have, were not bearing arms at the moment. They were the vulnerable, and it's exactly what the Amalekites did when the children of Israel first came out of Egypt. They went after the vulnerable. We know Hamas attacked these young people, killed well over 200 of them. Moms and their toddlers, they butchered in their beds and they took, they kidnapped children and elderly Holocaust survivors and they did much more. But in case there are children in the room, I'm not gonna go into detail. But we know how horrific, how barbaric they were. Amalek's assault aimed to destroy Israel at her spiritual infancy, having just escaped Egypt. Even as Israel was being reborn as a people and a nation on May 14, 1948, Israel's neighbors went to war to stop this young nation. Their desire was to liquidate the Jewish people from this land. We read in Psalm 84, 83, verse 4, they have said concerning a conspiracy of nations, come, let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. Have we heard that anywhere? And guess who was included in the list of this confederacy of nations that had this anti-Semitic lust to destroy the Jews once and for all? In that list, in verse 6, there are the tents of Edom, the Ishmaelites, Moab, and the Hagrites, Gebal, Ammon, and Amalek. Philistia, with the inhabitants of Tyre, Assyria also has joined with them. In the unseen realm, there is a spiritual dimension to this malignancy, this perpetual hatred. And I believe that the same spirit that drove the Amalekites is roaming in and around our land right now, seeking to devour our most vulnerable citizens. I'm going to emphasize throughout this message that through prayer and advocacy, we can protect God's chosen nation from similar demonic powers conspiring her ruin. In the, in the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German pastor who spoke up against Hitler and in turn was executed by the Nazis, wrote these words, silence in the face of evil is evil itself. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. So God's power is activated through prayer. Moses models key principles for moving God's hands through prayer. How should we pray for this nation and God's purposes for this nation? First of all, we should pray in alignment with God's word. 
by repeating back to God his covenant promises. We know we are praying according to the will of God when we're praying the scriptures. Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13 states, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God has plans for this nation. Our job is to know what those plans are by reading and studying God's word and then praying back to God his plans. Secondly, we pray with faith. We read in our story in verse 12, but Moses' hands became heavy so that they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other. His hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Do you know what the Hebrew word, the biblical Hebrew word here for steady is emunah. Emunah. Emunah in biblical Hebrew has a number of connotations. First of all, it can mean faith or trust. So when his hands were steady, it is because he kept those hands in the air because he trusted in heaven. He knew where his help comes from. We need to pray in faith. It says in verse 8 and 9, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim, and Moses told Joshua, Choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Moses didn't go up there all alone. He went with the rod of God, the rod of the Lord. What does that mean? He went with the authority of God. He prayed with authority, and that's why he was full of faith to look to heaven for the answer. He knew it was coming. You know that God has given us authority to pray and see God move? Listen to these words. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 21. James 1 says, to a person who wants his prayers answered, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. You remember what that rod of authority could accomplish if God gave it to Moses? What, it, what, it, what was that rod able to do? Moses would reach out with that rod and it would turn into a snake and then it would turn back to a rod. He would transform the Nile into a bloody river Summoning plagues, Moses stretched out forth his rod toward heaven and the Lord sent thunder, hail, and fire upon the ground. And then the rod of God parted the sea, allowing the Israelites to cross on dry ground. You and I have the rod of authority to pray. God actually says, come boldly into my throne room. Come boldly by grace into my throne room. None of us are worthy to come into God. He but he reaches out his scepter to us like the king did for Esther and says, come on in, pray bold prayers because I want to answer your prayers because I love you and I've got a great plan for your life and for the life of this nation. Number three, persevere in prayer. Despite our weariness and the opposition coming against us, the word emunah can also mean firmness, steadfastness, and perseverance. Moses could have quit, and justifiably so. He was over 80 now. But it says in verse 12, Moses' hands became heavy. 
He had to sit down, but he still kept his hands raised to the unseen heavens. Paul said to the believers in Colossae, we do not cease to pray for you. Steadfast, faithful praying. We see also Isaiah 62, it tells us to persevere in prayer on behalf of the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. For Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. The nations shall see your righteousness. I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who mention of the Lord, make mention of the Lord do not keep silent and give him no rest till he establishes until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. It is no accident that up in our summit, which we used to call the prayer tower, you see Jerusalem stone all around and you feel like you're on the ramparts of the old city because we are watchmen on the walls and we cannot, we cannot cease to pray. We cannot cease to pray and give God no rest. He invites us to just keep on knocking on my door as that widow kept knocking on the door of the judge. Do you remember that? Perseverance in prayer. So what have I said so far? We pray in alignment with God's word. We pray in faith and we pray with perseverance. Now we pray by getting help from others in prayer. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10 reminds us two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. And we see this in our story, Aaron and her supporting Moses' hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. We need a private prayer life, but that's not enough. We need to pray with others. When we pray with others, we can encourage and strengthen and help each other to keep on praying. Now I come to how to pray practically now in this crisis. How do we pray for Israel today? As watchmen, we should pray in these ways. Number one, we pray for Israel's spiritual redemption through Yeshua, the Messiah. During a tremendous end time war involving Israel and her enemies from near and far away, we read this in Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10, a future war. And God says, and I will pour out in the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look to me whom they have pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. There is going to be a time when people in desperation, in the time of war, in crisis, that they will reach up because they have no other place to go but to reach up to God in heaven. They will confess their sins like all of us need to do. And they will turn from them and their eyes will be turned to Yeshua, the author and finisher of their faith. Number two, we pray for the protection of God's army. We should remember God's promise to Jacob and the dream he had on that, concerning that stairway to heaven. God said, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And then we come to Deuteronomy 20, verse 1, and Moses wrote these words. When you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God is with you who brought you up from the land 
of Egypt. God goes with us. Number three, pray that God will thwart the enemies who seek her destruction. Psalm 83, I've mentioned that earlier. It's a prayer of Asaph. Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace and do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make a tumult and those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. And I read earlier the list of nations, including Amalek, who was one of those nations that conspired. Even Tyre is listed as one. Where is Tyre? It's in Lebanon. It could very well be within the next few hours that we will see a full-on front on the Lebanese border from Hezbollah. If you looked at the news today, this is possible. There are ancient enemies that are coming against the nation again. Number four, pray that global intercessors will arise to stand with us in prayer. And aren't you thankful for the millions who have already begun to pray toward this nation? They didn't know what was coming. They didn't know war was coming, but somehow the Spirit of God just spoke to people around the world to pray for us for such a time as this. Let's pray for more of them. We need more intercessors. Matthew 18, 19 and 20. Again, I say to you, if any two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. The more we've got on the walls, praying, seeking the face of God, giving him no rest, the more we're gonna see God bring the victory in this crisis right now. Number five, pray for comfort and healing. For Israelis as well as Gazans, we're not in this, there are many people in, that are not in this fight. There are many Gazans who are now speaking out against Hamas. They've been betrayed. They are human shields. They know it. And they're starting to realize it's not all about Israel and its army. But within our own ranks, we have people who hate us, and don't care about our lives. That's the reality. We need to pray for more and more Gazans who are grieving, who are hurt, to experience the enveloping arms of our comforting God and be saved, just as we need to pray for those grieving in this country right now and what grief there is, what grief there is. It says in Psalm 147, verse 3, that the Lord heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Number six, pray for mercy for Israel's enemies. Knowing our God, God our Savior, wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's what the Bible teaches. It may seem impossible, but the Apostle Paul was once a persecutor of the followers of Yeshua, and he sought to put them in prison and even kill them. It says, he says in Galatians chapter 1, 13 and 14, for you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. Paul wanted to liquidate the Jewish followers of Jesus. He wanted them wiped off the map. But on the way to Damascus through Syria, the Holy Spirit, the risen Lord, appears to him, knocks him off his high horse, and he is saved. 
And what a transformed life we see. Can you believe that for Israel's enemies today? I can believe that because God is merciful. God does not save us because we're so good. We're actually pretty evil when it gets right down to it because we've inherited that tendency to rebel against God and to sin in our fallen Adamic nature. We all need the grace of God. We all need the mercy of God. So now, having spoken about the unseen realm, the realm of prayer, the realm of intercession, I'm going to talk to you about the scene for a moment. It's about hands raised to heaven in the spiritual sense, but it's also waving a banner in the seen realm. We're called to wave a banner to the nations. We're to publicly testify of God's faithfulness to his chosen people. You realize that at the end of this battle, this war with Amalek, Moses built an altar and he named the altar. We see this in Exodus 17. He names the altar Yehovah Nisi, or we would say in this country, Adonai Nisi, the Lord is my banner. That's verse 15. A banner can be a flag. It's, a flag is not meant to be put in a corner. A flag is meant to be seen. You raise it high. And it is meant to be seen by all the nations of the earth. He memorialized that victory in battle so that the coming generations would see that memorial and understand their own history and understand that God is a great God. He is the only true God. He's the mighty one who brings victory. If Moses had not built something physical for them to see, they would have lost that history they would not have seen God's faithful track record to give victory to his people. We need to do the same. You're seeing many blue and white flags with the Star of David now flying in Gaza. Now, Netanyahu says there's no intention to take over Gaza, to annex it or anything of that nature, but definitely Israel is gonna maintain the security of that area and they'll have to do that from within as well as without. But this banner or flag referred to in our text is not the flag of the IDF. It was not the flag of, the, of Israel's army under the command of Joshua. It was an altar that Moses built to honor the Lord, recognizing the battle is the Lord's. And the Lord brought Israel victory over the Amalekites. Therefore, the altar is named the Lord, my banner. Today, sadly, too few followers of Yeshua are opening, openly flying the flag of the Lord. We may be faithful in our prayer closets, but we are often afraid to stick our necks out and wave our flag. We're afraid to demonstrate that we are followers of the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he is the God and Father of our Lord Yeshua, the only Messiah and Savior of the world. We hunker down in corners when we are called, especially now for this time, to speak up and to speak out in public forums where to wave the banner of the Lord. I got a few amens. Amen. 
a few people courageous enough to say amen. <laughs> we can blame the world for its ignorance of Israel's history and the history of the Middle East and how they bought into Hamas's narrative, but if we are not in the open square declaring and demonstrating the truth about God's purposes for Israel and the Jewish people, then there will be a vacuum that will be filled by lies and hate. Yeshua said, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It is time now for us to be seen. I know we're underground, two floors underground, but at the end of the service, you're gonna go up and right out our doors is a public square. And it may be just coming up and saying hi to one person and waving your little flag. <laughs> but it's time that we stand up for truth. We speak the truth in love, by the way, not in hate, not with a spirit of revenge, but we speak the truth. This is the time. In Genesis 12, God promised Abram that he would make him a great nation. And through that nation, all the families of the earth would be blessed. And that same promise was made to Isaac and Jacob. And we need to tell the world, and even the church, by the way, what Paul and Barnabas declared in Acts 13. They quoted Isaiah 49.6 as a justification for their mission to the nations as well as to the Jews Indeed, the Lord says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you to be a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. We need to declare that along with Israel, who are called to be a light to the nations, Yeshua said that we are the light as well and we reflect his light. We are to be seen out there and we're to be heard. We should recognize that Israel is not just like any other nation. Yeshua said to the Samaritan woman in John chapter four and verse 20, salvation is from the Jews. As ambassadors of the king and his kingdom, our job is to counter falsehood with the truth about who his people are. The original olive tree that is still Israel's tree. Those many branches are cut off. They're natural branches so they can readily be regrafted into their own tree. We're the wild olives, olive branches, at least many of us in this room, including me. We should not boast about us being the branches of the tree forgetting about the roots and the trunk of the tree. We need to acknowledge that we are attached, we are grafted in, and we stand with the people of Israel right now. Israel is not a foreign nation. <laughs> Paul says that Jews and Gentiles have come together as one new man, right? The wall of partition has been broken down and whoever is a Gentile in this room is now part of the commonwealth of Israel. You're not the same as Israel. We don't, we don't believe in replacement theology that now the church is the new and true Israel. Israel is Israel, but we are part of the commonwealth of Israel. Can anybody say thank God? 
we're part and parcel. So when Jewish people and when the nation of Israel goes through trials like this and the world condemns them, these are our people, folks. These are our people. We belong. We're attached. We're identified with. Do you serve the God of Israel? <laughs> then you are serving Israel's God. We're all the people of God. Not only do we speak in the marketplace and even in the realm of social media, increasingly I'm posting things that I would never have posted before because I'm convicted by this. I'm saying things strongly, getting a little bit of pushback from some people, but I'm convicted I've got to speak up. I don't know about you. But not only to the wider public square, but we need more and more people that will come alongside leadership of cities, of nations. We need people to do what God instructed Moses to do. Exodus chapter 17, verse 14, it says, God says to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered. We need to write things down or post things out so that the God of Israel will be remembered, that the victory is his. We're to write to our nation's leaders, giving them good history. Some of the people that get elected are people that they couldn't make it anywhere else. I'm just telling you, not all, always the best and the brightest make it into politics. Many of them are very successful somewhere else and they have no interest in getting in trouble. Proverbs 21.2 says, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. If we'll speak to kings and leaders, knowing that God can change the heart, then we ought to be bold enough to believe we have persuasive words from the Holy Spirit and from his word that we can change the heart of leaders. Don't be afraid. Some of these leaders feel very alone at the top. And they'd love someone to come along and befriend them and speak with them and love on them. Do you remember Isaiah speaking to kings, Jeremiah to kings? <laughs> God sends prophets to the kings to whisper in their ear and give them the truth. We need to do that too. President Abraham Lincoln, some of you know who that is, said, in this and like communities, public sentiment is everything. With public sentiment, nothing can fail. Without it, nothing can succeed. I heard the former ambassador to Israel from the United States, David Friedman, say on YouTube a couple of days ago, he said, would you please get out on the streets? Numbers count. Numbers count. You don't have to come and do anything, just be there. You need to show the world that the majority don't do the things that we're seeing right now on the streets of major cities. I'm guessing that one or 2% of the population actually would support what they're seeing on the streets. But that loud little group is making an impact and frightening the leaders of nations around the world and university presidents who see their universities getting out of control. 
Get out there. Be there. And then I bring you to this. Provide practical assistance. Volunteer, donate, send relief. You know, after the battle with Amalek, the very next chapter, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, comes to the camp of Israel, and he sees how weary Moses is. He saw how Moses was burdened and burnt out trying to help everyone in need. And no doubt after that war with Amalek, there were many soldiers to bury, wounded to heal, bereaved families that needed to be comforted. And their recovery would require a team of people who would carry this load with Moses. And so Moses heeded Jethro's advice. He appointed 70 elders to team up with him to lead and to meet the desperate needs of the children of Israel. We are still at war right now, and the needs are still great. And we're seeing an outpouring of resources and help from around the world right now to help this nation. But we need more volunteers, more people hands-on, more people cooking meals, providing grocery boxes when the supplies arrive. I'm going to miss out on that tonight. For years to come, though, even when this war ends and God will have the victory, the people of Israel are going to need a lot of help. This may mean helping financially with families who lost income while fathers and siblings were called up to fight on the front lines. We're going to need more counselors to help people who have been traumatized. And these are just a few examples. The war may be over, but the needs are going to be just as great. And finally, we need to stand together. You may say, well, I, I, I don't have any special skill sets. I don't, I don't have special gifts that I can offer in this situation. I, I think you do. If it's only prayer, that's great. That's amazing. But some of you have special abilities that you can bring to the table now. We need everyone to stand together. A cord of three stands, three strands is not quickly broken. Come. After defeating Amalek, Moses built an altar, as I said. We need to be careful not to forget the victory that God brings. We need to tell it loud and strong to the nations. As we reflect on God's unrelenting faithfulness throughout Israel's history, from the exodus to the return from exile to the rebirth of Israel in 1948, should give us the confidence to know that he who watches over Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. Let us rehearse God's wondrous works on behalf of his people. In closing, those spiritual and earthly forces unite against Israel right now. Let us fix our eyes on Yeshua, the author and perfecter of our faith. And worship team, please come. We join with the Apostle Paul's holy ambition, for I am not ashamed of the good news. Oh, isn't there a lot of bad news? And people calling good evil? We've got good news. I'm not ashamed of the good news. We've got to get it out there where it's seen and heard. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation first to the Jew and then to the Greek. Let us pray boldly, speak with courage, love wholeheartedly, stand steadfast until Israel's salvation comes and God's glory fills the entire earth. Maranatha, come, Lord, quickly. Amen. The worship team is coming back. I want you to know that there are people here 
in our midst who are seasoned prayer warriors who will stand with you tonight if you've got a need of any kind. Look to the heavens, to the unseen. Raise the hand with the rod of authority and believe together that God will meet you in your situation. So we invite you to come. Let's stand together and worship the Lord.